Last time on Culture File, we met drummer, composer and professor of composition Dominic Mercot and heard about his journeys into the mechanical piano music of composer Conlon Nancaro. Nancaro is celebrated for using the unhuman possibilities of machines to discover new musical form and Mercot follows in his footsteps, but instead of the player piano that inspired Nancaro, Mercot goes mining for sound in the circuits of modular synthesizers as we hear now in the second part of Louise McMahon's report. Modular synthesis has kind of arrived from all sorts of ideas. Anything that calls itself a synthesizer, whether it's a computer software or, uh, you know, a beautiful keyboard from the early 1980s. Inside, the way synthesizers tend to be designed is that they build up of kind of internal units that affect and interact with each other. When synthesizers started to be made commercially in the late 60s, a number of companies realised that if you made them not as complete units but as separate modules, then people could buy the modules they wanted and they could build up unique synthesizers, you know, things that were unique to them. As kind of digital technology came in the 80s, this sort of fell out of fashion. But a couple of companies continued making this, particularly a German company called Dopfer. And then at some point in the 90s and in the 2000s, people started taking an interest in them again. And now there are hundreds of companies making modules. So the idea is that you buy a case and then you buy separate modules. So the way I would work with it is either commit to just using this setup and try and make a piece of music, but I tend to kind of combine this with other things and other instruments and other recording techniques. The one I've got in front of me is one I've built myself. What's interesting now, and I think why they're such a kind of popular thing, is that, first of all, again, you customise it. You buy the modules that you like, and they all do different things. So everyone's setup is slightly different. But secondly is that they're full of limitations and so they're all connected together by cables. Unlike if you work on a computer, you can save your steps. Let's carry on tomorrow and we'll carry on where we are. The thing about modular synths is a lot of these units don't have presets. So you plug in cables and you fiddle with the knobs and you make sounds that you like. If you like something, you might never be able to get that exactly the same again. So you can work for hours on it and struggle and then suddenly hit upon something that you like and then you have to capture it because it would be gone. With temperature changes, some of these modules go out of tune and things like that. It's a bit more like playing an instrument than simply either writing code or pressing buttons on a computer. Would you like to do the demo of it? I'll do my best. So yeah. I'll, I'll sort of work with a kind of fairly simple idea. So there is a, a tone and uh, this is a triangle wave. And so that's an oscillator producing a, a triangle wave, and I can change the octave. And then it gets more interesting if I use a separate module then to manipulate the frequency. Those of you who in the know will recognize a classic bit of uh, frequency modulation there. So you can make random erratic things 
And then here's something slightly more ordered. And of course it sounds very similar to old school games and it is in fact very close to the way that those 1970s games would have produced sounds. And then I've got various other ways of modulating the sound there, so... Um, and now just changing the tone, I have a little sequencer here that's changing the pitches very gradually, and I can start manipulating the shape of these sounds. Filtering out some frequencies. Changing timbres, changing tempos. I've got a little spring reverb unit built into it. Inside the box there is literally a case with two springs in it and the sound goes in at one spring and is picked up the other spring and that produces this lovely rough sounding reverb. Now I'll bring in a, a second oscillator. And then there's also kind of modules that do bits of percussion. a nice little sequence going there and I can start playing with the sequence. But one of the things that would be anathema to so much music is that I programmed in a, a vaguely 3-4-6-8 pattern and a sequence that fitted that then I made it longer so the sequence didn't fit the percussion pattern. The vagaries of this setup here is there's no guarantee that beat one of the sequence will, will fit to beat one of the percussion. And there are ways that I can start and stop that, but I quite enjoyed the jeopardy of not knowing quite how the sequence was going to interlock. we imagined writing a piece of music for a group of players and not being sure if we all agree on beat one, you know, there's all sorts of music that's going to fail with that. In this particular case, I think it adds to the fun of it. I hope that gives you at least a kind of sense. It was fantastic. It sounded like trumpets as well coming in. I mean, it's interesting you say that because when these were designed, the original idea behind a lot of synthesizers was to emulate live instruments. And so the use of waveforms and the use of filters thought about things being brassy or string-like. We love the sound of things that sound either string-like, voice-like, brass-like. And what's lovely is kind of people forever have taken things that were meant to sound like brass and said, what happens if I plug it in the wrong way? What happens if I use the extremes of this? 
And so now those extremes have become probably as vital and as important as the original intention. Freshly mind bleeps there from Dominic Mercott and Louise McMahon was the reporter.